My name is Gunner, and I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and just lovers of music to talk about their top five records that have inspired their lives and musical prowess. Today, I'm talking to Tate Mayu. He's half of the band called Mayu and Broussard, and I just love the way he writes his songs. Um, he's got a cool place up on St. John's called the Long Play Lounge, and it's killer. They've got a ton of vinyl records, craft cocktails, beers. It's an epic hang. Go check it out. Um, it was 704 West St. John's Avenue, right around the corner from where airport runs into North Lamar. And this is where we recorded the podcast today. But let's get to the conversation. First, close your eyes. You're stranded on a desert island. What five records do you have? Yes, party people. I've got Tate Mayu with me here today. What's up, Tate? What's up, man? Um, we're here at the Long Play Lounge. This place is sick. It is wicked awesome, and you guys should check it out. Long Play Lounge up on St. John's. Um, all right, let's talk about your top five records, Tate. Sure. Um, I've got Mad Dogs and Gentlemen by Joe Cocker. Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And Englishmen, excuse me. Uh, J.J. Kale Naturally. Love that yes. album. I've always loved that album. Love J.J. Kale. Um, uh, what is it? How do you say? Maylene? Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Sons of Disaster. Redheaded Stranger. Classic, classic album. And then Brothers and Sisters. So I had never heard of Brothers and Sisters, nor had I heard of Maylene, but I was very impressed with one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, where, are you, where are you taking these records? To the Medina River in Bandera, Texas. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of like my sacred spot. There you go. Our buddy has like a my my buddy Jace Jace Deloney. His family was one of the first families that settled Bandera, and they have a shit ton of land, private land on the Medina. We've been going out there since I was 16, 17 years old, 18, 19 years old, probably more like it, and. uh it's just a very sacred, special, place. special, special place, and you can run around naked and do whatever you want to do. And my dad got baptized in that river uh, wow. twice. Twice. Because <laughs> the first one didn't take, he says. And, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. And the I, I'll also say that's where I'm taking them because we've definitely listened to those records a thousand times nice on that property. Nice. And uh, yeah, if we could just get some. Running plumbing out there, that'd be perfect. There you go, right? <laughs> pooping that, that in the outhouse. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, um, so Mad Dogs and Englishmen, um, Joe Cocker, I was doing some research on it. It looked like, uh, sounded like um, Leon Russell. Yeah, Leon Russell was like involved, like the band leader. Well, it was kind, yeah, I mean, long story, dude, there's a movie about, it. like there's an actual like documentary filmed not even a documentary. They like they filmed like a concert movie of him playing all the different cities that matches the record. But really, is what happened is uh, Cocker was coming back to the states. He had just done Woodstock and stuff. He had worked mm -hmm. with Leon Russell and Chris, and Chris Stanton had always worked with Cocker. And uh, and basically, he's come back to the states. He had this huge tour with his record label and didn't have a band. And he picked up the phone and called Leon, and Leon put together arguably one of the greatest bands of all time and yeah it was it was Rita Coolidge and Claudia Lanier and uh, 
Bobby Keys, Chris Stanton, Leon Russell, uh, dude, it, there's so Don Preston, yeah. like so no, many band, band was killer, the greatest of all, like all time. Yeah, so it was really more or less. It was like, and I'll say this, uh, when I was like super young, uh, I made friends with some of the guys that played in Leon's band when I was like 20, 21. And I remember at Threadgills down south, them putting on Mad Dogs and Englishmen and the tour manager running out and be like, no, 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 turn it off, turn it <laughs> off. Because I think Leon might have had some bitter feelings towards it because he seems like Leon did most of the hard work and huh. Joe just kind of showed up and played Rockstar. And, you know, but I think Leon was picking most of the songs and doing all the arrangements and picked the band and. He kind of did all the footwork, and at the end of it, you know, Cocker's name was on the airplanes and the right, right. buses and all that stuff. Yeah, but so um, of course, I love it when I see Bobby Keys. He's like one oh, of my heroes, dude, it's so cool. for sure. You yeah. Know? And he did you know that he has the exact same birthday? I mean, to the year as Keith Richards. Oh yeah, yeah, and, I've heard and that. And they're best friends. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think he passed away like five or six years ago. Yeah, I read his autobiography. Bobby Keys? Yeah. I didn't even know he had one. Yeah, he, yeah. Had, he has an autobiography, and there was one line in it that, I mean, I had to put the book down and go grab my guitar and write a, write a song. It was, oh, he really? Said, I gotta go behind, we had to go behind the barn, you know. To, they were going to go get stoned behind yeah. the barn, and so I was, dropped my yeah. I was like, went over there, and in like 30 minutes I had the song written. That's so. awesome, Behind the Barn. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a, it's a fun song. Uh, anyway, so, I mean, I, w- I thought this album was really cool because, uh, I mean, he only has like four, four of his own original cuts. Right, Cocker. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, but there was like, I mean, a Beatles song. There's a Stone song, which has different lyrics. But are you talking about on that record? Yeah, I don't even think there's four. Yeah, <laughs> it, was that what it said? I read that, yeah. Oh, okay, had four from his previous two albums. Man, I didn't know. Yeah, it was Margarine on there? And that one's about his mom. That was kind of like his I first one that he like kind of wrote with Chris. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, no, but his vocal is just like so unique. You know, it's like one of those vocals, you know, if you get top five vocal. You know, yeah. I'm going to say top five vocals. You know, Willie Nelson's there. That's who, the he's Jaggers like, there. he's my like, as far as scene goes, like the first time I heard his voice when I was like a little kid, which was yeah. uh, with a little help from my friends on yeah. one, on Wonder Years. My parents always watched Wonder Years. And like the first time I was just obsessed. And uh, I remember uh, my like freshman year of high school sophomore year of high school i was like 14 or 15 i started dating this like 20 year old yeah <laughs> and, uh, she's a older, little older. women what's up shelly <laughs> <laughs> and uh but she loved joe cocker and i was like this is the guy from the wonder years or whatever right. you know so uh i remember going my mom had to drive me to best buy and we bought his greatest hits and it was just like game over yeah and i was so in like metal and all that stuff at that point in time that that was kind of like one of the first things that kind of started to like take me away from all that type of stuff, you know? Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, he's my favorite, man. He's your favorite of all time? My favorite singer of okay. all time. Fair yeah, enough. hands down. Like, yeah, that's it. Do you like John Belushi's impression of him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's when I started getting like really into him. That's what my dad would always bring up about that, that act on yeah. SNL. Yeah, it was funny. Well, uh, anything else you have to say about this album? Yeah, I mean, dude, I used to Talk literally, to my, so like probably my junior year of high school, senior year of high school, I started dating this uh, 
kind of like what I would consider my high school sweetheart. Her dad, Joel, uh, he was a very, very big influence on me with all music. But he knew that I really liked Cocker, and so um, he was like, well, have you heard Mad Dogs and Englishmen? And I was like, no. And so we got in his truck. We, I, at that point in time, they all lived. We lived in Round Rock. Uh-huh. I think I was living with them already. And uh, we got in the car. It was like during the maybe it was during the day, like late afternoon. We got in the car, and he drove me to Antones. They didn't have it on CD. And then we went to Waterloo Records, and they had it on CD. Yeah. The next day after that, I would just look at what everyone was wearing, and me and my girlfriend would go to Goodwill and I'd have to go through the women's clothes and find like clothes that kind of mimicked what Cocker was wearing. So I was wearing like women's like boots and you know, these like frilly, like, I don't know what you would call it, like blouses with like flowers on them. And I was just trying to like that record was influential to me with music, but style, the way they talked, like I started saying things like groovy (laughs) and like, uh, my friends are just like, what the fuck? Sorry. What the hell is, what the hell are you doing, man? Cause I was like, I was quarterback on my football team and I was like president of like student council. And you know, I was, I was, I was kind of a square more or less. And one day I just showed up like, full-blown joke i was joe cocker for the last like year and a half of high school so anyways yeah right i love that record good man. job joe yeah uh yeah no i enjoyed the heck out of that i record. did get to see him one time did you Me and my mom went and we had uh we had tickets in the yard at the at the backyard yeah or whatever and uh me and my mom none of my friends would go with me so um we end up, we end up going to. Uh, so we're, we're sitting there. Who, who? Uh, Huey Lewis and the News opened. But remember Dixie that used to run uh, Horseshoe Lounge. Yeah, yeah. So for sure. Dixie sees me and she's like, "Tater." She's like, "Is that your girlfriend?" And I'm like, "No, it's my mom." <laughs> and so she's like, "Y'all come on," and walked us up to the second row, like right, like center stage. And me and my my mom drank a bunch of wine and was dancing with Dixie. And I was just crying the whole time because I was going to see Joe Cocker. And he died like two years after that. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways. Heroes. All right. What's next? Um, let's talk about J.J. Kale naturally. Yes. Okay. So he has, I mean, I, I have a hard time picking one of his albums. Right. Because, I mean, he's got, he's got what, like 14? Oh, yeah. Something like At least. 14, 20. I don't even know how many he's, he's got. He's been dead for a year, and they came out with another one. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, his influence on everybody. 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 Yeah. From Clapton to, to Skinner. And, I mean, th- I love this album. This, this yeah. one and uh, Troubadours is another one that I love. Right. Yeah. Uh, dude, Five is so good. Oki, so good. But, dude, Naturally is, to me, okay, is one of those people that, like, I'd never, I'd always heard... And I knew that he had like written, you know, some songs that other people had done. Yeah. And I had lung surgery a couple years ago, and my buddy Preston Roan, that used to play bass mm-hmm. in Mike and the Moon Pies, I cut his hair last night. Um, he, uh, I think he called me while I was in the hospital, and I was all doped up on the thing with the button, and it was awesome. And <laughs> he was like, "Dude, you, we were talking about music," and he's like, "You need to listen to JJ Kill, like all the stuff you're talking about." Because I was talking about, like, Ramsey Midwood, and I was talking about all these other things. He's like, man, a lot of those guys are kind of, like, they're, like, grooving off of the J.J. Kale thing. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I need to look J.J. Kale up. 
started with this first record and like yeah of course first song is call me the breeze and it's such a classic probably my favorite that's probably my favorite song of all time the jj kill version of that, call me the breeze fair enough and he uh but anyway so i had it on like my little phone speaker started with the first record and i went through every single record and my poor mom was sitting in the chair next to my hospital bed she was jj killed out by the end of it and whenever i, I ended with that last record I just started with naturally the first song again. Over, yeah. It just started like chronologically. And my mom was like, I'm going home. You know? Good. I want to listen to So that. I was just like doing drugs in the hospital, basically, you know, and listening to JJ Kale is so awesome. And yeah, that was, I feel like I've had like these little turning points throughout my life, you know, and like that was just, especially like from a songwriting standpoint, like I'd get so hung up on like, oh, my, I need to have this like longer song or, it has to tell a story or like, and it's like, no dude, like he has like 90 second songs that are just They're like incredible one chord, one groove. And like, and so that's kind of been my, like my, my platform for the past couple of years really is just like groove. my songwriting has definitely gotten like lazier. I feel like, but man, I just, I definitely gravitate towards it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I I agree with you 100%. And, you get, I think and that, it leaves the listener the ability to interpretate for themselves more than to, uh, yeah, to well, interpretate the, for themselves instead of just like, you know, I love Guy Clark to death, but it's like his songs are like laid out there for you. You know, like this is the story, this is the thing, you know, it's like. I don't know. You know, I mean, so I, I say this a lot on this podcast that, you know, I'm a songwriter, you're a songwriter. Um, I've tried my damnedest, and I can't get into Guy Clark. I've, I've read his really? biography. I can't get into Towns Van Zandt. Um, I like Chris Christopherson, but I don't, I, I haven't, they haven't flipped my switch yet. Damn. You know, yeah. but J.J. Kale, he's like, when it comes to songwriting, he's my hero. Dude, that's awesome, yeah. I've never, dude. I love Towns the way he represents and everything, but and he's got great tunes. But I, I definitely always gravitated towards <clears throat> towards Guy Clark. Well, yeah. I've, read, I've read his That's biography. Awesome. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like he's he is the songwriter of the songwriters, and I just I'm trying to get it. I'm yeah. trying. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm saying I'm not saying I don't get it. I'm just saying not yet. Yeah, I got to sit at a table with him at the Station Inn in Nashville. There was like maybe 12 people in the room and we all got to sit with Guy Clark. It was crazy. Dude, the nice. last thing before, it was our first time to go to Nashville and the very last, we took my mom's Chevy Tahoe. This was like 10 years ago. Very last thing my dad said and he like tossed me my mom's keys and he's like, please don't screw up your mom's car. And I was like, okay. So we like show up to the station in Noel McKay and Brennan Lee mm -hmm. were playing and Noel saw that I had posted and He's like, y'all come on. So we like go in and like the lady at the door, we're the first ones there. The lady at the door is like, y'all are sitting at Mr. Clark's table. And I was like, okay, cool. Didn't realize what she was talking about. And then like 10 minutes later, like Verlin Thompson comes walking in, which nice. is like guys like right yeah. hand man, you know? So I was like, oh shit, that's Verlin Thompson. And then I was like, Mr. Clark's table. And I was like, oh shit. Uh -oh. And I like grabbed my music partner, Bruce Hart. I was like, dude, I think we're going to be sitting with Guy Clark. And he was like, holy shit. So anyway, so Guy comes in and, 
we ended up like meeting him on the break because they did two sets. And I go outside, I call my dad. I'm like, Dad, holy shit! Like I'm sitting next, sitting next to Guy Clark. And my dad's like, That's so crazy. This is your first night in Nashville. So after it starts snowing and it's icing everywhere, after we get done, we walk out. And someone sideswiped my mom's car, oh, no. and the rear view mirror's like hanging off, or the side view mirror's like hanging off, and the door won't shut right. And I call, my, I made everyone get in, and I call my dad. I was like, Dad, someone sideswiped mom's car. And there's like this awkward like pause, and he goes, I don't care, man. You, he was like, You just hung out with Guy <laughs> Clark. He was like, Dude, I'll, I'll buy you a whole new car. You know, it's like, that was pretty cool, man. All right, anyway, sorry. So, yeah. But well, yeah, JJ Kill's songwriting is. Just cool, man. It's 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 groovy. I mean, it it's it, it's it just it stays in that pocket, you know. It's and it's it's simplistic, and it's just I I just think it's phenomenal. Yeah. And all, I mean, all of this stuff is. Okay, the sons of disaster. Maylene and the sons of disaster. Maylene, talk to me. I, so there was like I, I a. Don't, I, don't, I, did, like, I didn't expect this on your list. They were kind of like my gateway into country music. I feel like I know that really? sounds weird. But it was like they scared you into country. Dude, music? I grew up in Texas, and I grew up like fighting the like Texas uh, way. Of, you know, my mom's from Amarillo, my daddy's from Harlingen, like you know, Texas, like born and bred, and uh, both. You know, my dad was a pig farmer. Anyways, so uh, growing up, like you know, I rode skateboards, and like I listened mm-hmm. to, you know, I loved like from a very like fourth or fifth grade I was obsessed with like Green Day and yeah so I'm 31 I was born in 89 but yeah like you know like the descendants and like stuff like Mm -hmm. that growing up and uh and then I'm definitely like the whole like emo and screamo and like that shit was like huge so without my parents really did listen to good music now that I'm older but they were so uh, they're very overprotective of me. Not even overprotective, very protective of me. It's, we were really religious and stuff. So uh, so they didn't really play a lot of like secular music. Um, so anyways, there's a bunch of these like Christian metal bands that came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of came to be noticed because there's a band, like out of all the emo screamo bands, there's one called Under Oath that was kind of like bigger than the rest of them. <laughs> right. You know, they were pretty big. And the singer of Maylene is this guy named Dallas Taylor, and he was the original singer in Under Oath. So he, like, left Under Oath and went and started this, like, redneck southern metal band, you know, Christian southern metal band. And uh, they, the first time I heard it, I was like, this is so stupid. Like, I did not like it. Someone bought me the CD for Christmas. One of my best friends bought it, and I was like, I hate this. And, uh... Like six months later, for some reason, like I put it back in and just like the guitar, there's three guitar players. Like it was just, it was really big. And just the, really, if you listen to it, it's very like blues rooted. It's very Southern. Like it's kind of like the pan, you know, really, if you listen to Pantera, like a lot of it is like three chord, like blues shit, just in a different rhythmic. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I was, it was just game over. Like I was obsessed with it. Yeah. So, uh, and really, like, at that point, like, none of the other bands I was listening to really mattered, and I was just gung-ho, and we'd go see them, you know, whenever they come through, and our first road trip we ever got to take without our parents, I was, like, 16, and we drove down to San Antonio and saw them play, and it was awesome, and 
Uh, yeah, I heard basically when I first heard it, I was like, oh, wow, this is Rage Against the Machine. Whoa, this is Motley Crue. Whoa, this is Rat. You know, I just yeah. I think that all oh, of those totally. just like super influential. Yeah. Maybe, There's know, definitely a lot of like, because I mean, I'd really n- never heard any of like the 80s like metal mm-hmm. really before that stuff. So afterwards, as I like, my mom bought me like Theater of Pain at one point. She found it at Goodwill and got it for me. And like, uh, but yeah, they like I I could definitely see how they like drew from a lot of that. And uh, but it's all music that was rooted in the South. Like all their songs and like yeah. a lot of them have storylines and mm-hmm. them. And like looking back on it now, I'm like, dude, I used. To, a bunch of their merch had like Confederate flags and oh, shit, wow, and yeah. I would just rep it like all over school, like not thinking anything of it, you know. And uh, you didn't know. I didn't know any better, man. <laughs> no, but uh, and I think now they like those guys are like, oh man, like because they were still kids when they were doing that stuff, yeah, you know. Like yeah. I'm sure now looking back, they're like, ooh man, probably could have yeah, done sure. without that <laughs> t-shirt design or right, whatever, you right, know. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, anyways, great band. Uh, the so, singers like, I don't. They found him basically like dead. He was like fell off of a four wheeler, mm-hmm. like driving like this a couple years ago, and I don't know what his like status is. But I read that. Yeah, they're awesome, man. So this was a defining moment in your life, and that's why you chose this record. Mailing. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And me and all my friends. Yeah, we were like. I, me, I, I'm me, always curious why you pick them. You know. Yeah, totally. I don't know what it was. I was definitely kind of like a, dude, I don't want to call myself like a leader, but yeah, like I feel like I like really started digging into him and then like a lot of my friends Friends started following suit and still like if you bring that name up, like there's a few guys like Chisholm, he runs like merch and TMs for like Bruce and Kelly and I talked to him the other night, he's like house sitting for like Nikki Lane right now and all that stuff, but if you ever bring up Maylene around him, He's just right. like, ooh, you know, he, he <laughs> just flips off. a switch, you know. <laughs> it's so cool, man. Yeah, I love it. Right on. Okay. Um, now I'm very ready to talk about um, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, I, I thought this was an incredible album. And one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is that I get turned on to new music every time. Yes. So I, I go into my Spotify and I favorite the album. And so now I have a whole other plethora of stuff for me to listen to uh this one was awesome yeah I, it was uh, do you know the dexatines do you know who they are i know that name but i don't know if i've literally Go listen really to the listened dexatines. To okay. and uh i mean i heard the dexatines i heard wilco i heard golden smog i heard it all I heard yeah a little bit of jayhawks in there um i just i i thoroughly enjoyed that album totally and the, I mean, Mamas and Papas is like the easy one to relate them to because it's brothers and sisters and it's got the guys and the girls. And I know the, I guess the dialogue between the guys and the girls isn't the same, but uh, dude, my, my introduction to them was during free week, okay. uh, which would have been 2006, 2006. Yeah, 2005 or 2006. And, yeah, I was, like, in the middle of my mailing right. <laughs> phase okay. or whatever. And there was a bunch of bands, like, emo bands playing outdoor emos on back when it was on Red River and Six. Mm-hmm. Got my first MIP there. Oh, really? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I never got... Oh, I did get... I got mine for tobacco, though, not booze. Um, 
But anyways, I go in between like the emo bands outside. I go inside. And dude, inside was the brothers and sisters and black angels. And I was, I mean, yeah, I was knee deep in the emo shit, you know, and I was in the screamo and the Christian metal and stuff. And I walk in and there's like the people. So I'm already into Cocker also at this time. And I like walk in and these people kind of resemble they're dressed and they kind of look like the people on the Mad Dogs and Englishmen record cover. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And uh, they start going in. There's like kind of twangy guitars. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has that mailing thing with the twangy, bluesy guitars. And the girls are pretty. And the guys had long hair and long beards. And right. uh, which at that point in time, it was like, <coughs> uh, like John Michael Schoff, who like plays bass for like Ray Wiley now. Yep. But dude, he plays there when he has that band Night Glitter. Uh, Ricky Ray Jackson, who plays pedal steel for yep. Steve Earle. Like, he was the pedal steel player and guitar player. Uh, dude, and then Will Courtney was the songwriter and singer. And uh, also, yes, this is my favorite thing because it's very nostalgic, that first record. But to this day, Will Courtney is still putting out, like, some of the best music this town has, like, ever seen, ever, I think. And uh, he's easily one of the greatest songwriters in, uh, that I think Austin has ever had the pleasure of having. But, um, yeah, that record, I just immediately went and bought it. And I still, I think to this day I have like 10 copies. Maybe I've given them all away at this point or whatever. But anytime I see it, it's such a collectible to me. Right. I just buy it. And the artwork's <laughs> so cool. Yeah, like everything. Like the delay on the tambourines, like there's all these things sonically on those records that, uh, and so anyways, Will Courtney, if I'm not mistaken, I believe his parents own a gospel record or did at some point in time. And so here's this like hippie, like kind of psych, like pop band or whatever. I don't know what you want to call it, but, uh, and they were like releasing everything like on, if you like looked up the record label, it's all just like gospel music. And then there's like brothers and sisters and you're like, what is going on with this? But I just used to like, we used to have to sneak in. Basically we found out cause we weren't 18 yet or we weren't 21, but beauty bar, which is mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Next door to like where Barracuda is now used to be Holy mountain and stuff. Uh, they wouldn't let us in cause we were like 15 or 16 or I think we were 16. Yeah. Cause we were driving. They wouldn't let us in. And we, we just, can we just please watch Brothers and Sisters? Like, we won't drink or whatever. They're like, no, no, no. So then we realized if we brought our girlfriends, like, the sleazy door guy would, like, let us in because our our underage girlfriends were hot or whatever. There you go. So he'd, like, let us all in. And he'd be like, y'all only get to stay for Brothers and Sisters. So we'd have to, like, sit in the back with, you know, and he'd, like, kind of look at us. And we'd sit there and, like, drink our waters and watch Brothers and Sisters. And the minute we were done, like, that door guy would come and get us and make us leave. But they were just they're just awesome, man. We used to in the middle of all the listening all the metal and the emo and all the stuff, like we'd put that C D in and like everybody in the car knew every word to every single song in there and yeah. it was cool. But also I will say I gravitated towards brothers and sisters a lot. But seeing the Black Angels for my first time at like sixteen, wow. I had never heard the Doors. I had never okay. heard like any of that stuff yeah. really. No one ever showed me it, you know. And so I left there. I got that 
their first CD, and I remember taking it home to my girlfriend's dad, and he was like, dude, have you heard Jim Morrison? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, I haven't. So that kind of like sent me off in a whole other realm as well, you know. But it was a good night. Um, there's a podcast out there called um, The 27 Club. Yo, yeah, Jim, yeah. Have you, have I've, you never heard, heard I've never listened to it, but I've heard about it. You yeah. know what it's about? Yeah, it's, the, the, it's epic, dude. Yeah. I love Jake Brennan. And his other one, Disgraceland, I think is killer too. Oh, Jake uh, Brennan did it? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Same guy from Disgraceland. And then he, uh, so it's about it's about the people that, like, the first, ep- first series is 12 episodes, and it's all about uh, Jimi Hendrix. 12 episodes on Jimi Hendrix? Next season, 30 minute, 30, 30 oh, minute episodes. Yeah. And it, it, just the way he tells stories <laughs> is just is incredible. Damn, who's the second season? Uh, Jim Morrison. Oh, shit. Of and course. then there'll probably be, there'll probably be one on Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Probably be one on Janus. Yeah. And who did I? Who, uh, Brian Jones died at 27. Yeah, too. Brian Jones. I didn't know that until, and I'm I'm supposed to know that. I'm like the biggest Stones fan in the world. There's someone else too. There's another person. But cool but, concept, great yeah, idea. I love totally. it. His Jake uh, Brennan's cool as shit. Yeah, he's awesome. Anyway, so back to brothers and sisters. Um, this is this. I mean, they only had like two albums, right? They only, yeah, they had like that first record, then they had an EP. It wasn't even like a full right. length. I think it only had like. Like eight or nine songs on it, so maybe it was a maybe it's considered a full length. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, and that one was great too. Yeah, uh, I did the album art so cool and all of them. Yeah. yeah, but that that first one was just, dude. And that was like, not to get too sidetracked, but the first so they, brothers and sisters were like my favorite Austin band. Like they're from that point forward, you know, and. uh when I was like 18 or 19 I had moved to San Marcos and there was like nothing going on at all and I was over the Thanksgiving break and I looked online and I saw um, that like Hayes Carl was playing at Cheatham and I never heard Hayes and I'd never been to Cheatham Street Warehouse and I walked in to Cheatham Street as I'm walking up to the door it just flies open and it's Hayes Hayes Carl like holding the door for me and uh, he's like hey what's up man and I walk in I realize it's just like me and the bartender and they all like begrudgingly like dragging their guitars on stage and but it was basically the same band it was brothers and sisters like backing up Hayes okay. yeah I remember when Ricky plus was like solo. plus like Scott Davis and like some other people but I was just like that's the brothers and sisters backing up Hayes you know and that was a very pivotal moment that's when I was like I immediately like started writing songs that night and like right. it was so influential to me yeah but yeah that band that band means a lot, dude. And Will Courtney still to this day. Dude, right now I saw he's producing Ethan Azarian's new record. And, I mean, yeah, it's awesome. Okay. Powerhouse. Um, I'm starting to see a theme in the way you choose these albums. And I like okay. it. Um, I want to see if this next one fits in there, too. Okay. Redheaded Stranger. Yeah. It's, I mean, people. On. When people ask me, like, if you had, like, one record if you if someone was like i hate country music or if like an alien showed up and they're like i've never heard country music like who would you like pick and i'm always like, or what would you pick and i'm always like redheaded stranger like it's the easiest question in the world to me because i i really think it encapsulates just one the cowboy lifestyle or what country music represents um but in like just a very classy fashion and uh the production on it's so f- just perfect. Less is more. Space is the place. I I do have very nostalgic moments with uh 
with it. Him killing his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> of course. No, dude, the, we were on tour like five or six years ago. And now when I listen to that record, this is all I can see. But like five or six years ago, my band, um, the four of us, we had, none of us had ever been to the Grand Canyon. And I like, I, I put in Redhead Stranger and we're like smoking joints and like driving through the Grand Canyon. And, uh, we listened to the whole thing and I took it out and I tried to put in Black Angels because we were like stoned driving through the Grand Canyon. And like Broussard, my music partner, like s- pulls over the van. He's like, What are you doing? And I was like, What do you mean? What am I doing? He's like, Put in Redheaded Stranger again. And yeah. everyone else was like, Yeah. You know, yeah, and I was yeah. like, Okay. So we literally just listened to that record on repeat as we drove through the most visually stimulating thing I've ever seen in my life, you know? Um, but also, it's like, dude, my dad loves Willie, you know. Mm-hmm. My uncle loves Willie. My grandfather loves Willie. You know, like. Who doesn't love Willie? Right, totally. Yeah, so. Well, here's here's my take on it. I think the album is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I love, the, I mean, I don't even call that a concept. This is a story album. And right. that is, like, the most difficult thing you can do is write an actual story in the way that you present the, the songs in order. I mean, and it's a true album. It's a true record. I I. I give that an A plus anytime, any day of the week. I love the fact that he had just gotten off his recent label and he uh, signed up with Columbia, and they gave him free reign to do whatever he wanted to. Right. And all the record executives were like, "Dude, you need to take this to Nashville. You need to polish it up." And Willie's like, "Nope. This is how I want it to be. This is how it should sound." Where did he record it? Uh, was it in Nashville? And um, no, it was in Texas, <laughs> in Garland, <laughs> Texas. Oh, okay. I think that's cool. Um, and, uh, so he basically said, this is the way I want it. And he put his foot down and even the Rolling Stone was like this, uh, that this sounds terrible. It sounds like demos. That's what everybody was calling it. Just a bunch of demos. Right. Yeah. And, uh, he was just like, nope, I've got, um, creative privilege to do what I want to here. And he did it. He stuck to his guns and then he, it was a freaking hit. I mean, they, they fucking hit hard. And then he comes out the next year with Phases and Stages, which is another, that is just like another brilliant concept album in the sense that, you know, it's her leaving him and then him leaving her. Right, I forget which totally. side goes which yeah. way. You know, Bloody Mary morning, tough. Baby left me without warning sometime in the night. I mean, come on, dude. I yeah. Just fucking brilliance. And I, I just, I'm, I'm in awe. And then the album before that, Shotgun Willie. Oh, I mean, oh, totally. It's yeah. like, I mean, that, that run, that, that run is like the run of what the Stones had between like 69 and 73. Totally. Yeah. He's, it's there's not a word in the dictionary to describe him or his talent or or the way he just carries himself. It's like, dude, I had this thing a couple years ago, and I don't get me wrong, like I still get all like dolled up and shit. But there's a thing a couple years ago where like I saw a picture of Willie, and he was literally in just like his short shorts and his tennis shoes, mm-hmm. but he had a pearl snap on, and then he had like a backwards like trucker hat yeah and i was just like dude here i am like sweating my balls off like in the middle of summer in austin texas like with my pearl snap on and my nice jeans and my big boots and my dumbass hat and i was like fuck this shit you know and it's all because this picture of willie and uh i just felt like you get these like these pressures to maybe be something or dress a certain way or act a certain way or whatever. And then you see Willie and he's like, man, he just kind of ran his own show like the whole time. And like, look at how it panned out for him. You know, like, 
I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, dude, I, all of his books too. They're just so good, man. He's so funny. Yeah. I've met him. <clears throat> we were talking about Leon Russell earlier. Dude, one of those things, I, this is one of my biggest regrets that I should have just owned my shit. But I took my, uh, the, one of the dudes in the band, in Leon's band, put me on the guest list with a plus one. My dad's, one of my dad's bosses was going to the show. And so my dad told me, and I was like, well, dude, you should come with me. I'm on the guest list. And he was like, okay, I'll come with you. And he, and he was like, kind of thought he'd look cool in front of his boss if yeah. like he showed up. So there's like this huge long line and we like skip the line. My dad, like, you know, waves to his boss, walk him up. And we're like the first ones in and watch the show. And it was great. Anyways, end of the night, uh, dude, I'm a huge Elton John fan. I got Elton John tattoo and all this stuff. At the end of the night, uh, everyone leaves and I knew I was going to get to hang out with the band, but I wanted to smoke a cigarette super bad. And I didn't want to smoke in front of my dad. So I was like, all right, dad, like you got to go. And like, I walked into like where his car was or whatever. Yeah. And we were at threat. We were at Threadgills and, uh, down South. And I walked back, uh, over there and I kind of go back behind the stage, behind those bushes, those shrubs or whatever. And, uh, immediately I get introduced to Bernie Toppin and I'm oh, like wow. 20, I think I was 21. I was 20, 21 and, uh, meet Bernie Toppin and, uh, so we're all talking. He's kind of an asshole to me a little bit. It was, it was really—he's making fun of my hat and the way I was dressed. And, uh, anyways, uh, like ten minutes later, everyone like turns and looks at me and there because my back—I was kind of like near the exit or whatever. And I was like, "Hey!" And I like turn around and, and Willie is sitting there and he has a bottle of two percent Oaks Farm milk and he's yeah. like, "Hey, everybody!" You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and he like just sticks out his hand. And he's like, "Nice to meet you, I'm Willie." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm Tate. Fucking my, it was like nice to meet you, dude." And, uh, but he was just so cool and just like, that was, I mean, of course I knew who he was and I knew some of his songs, but like just seeing someone be like genuine, gentle, sincere and meeting those people, meeting someone like that, especially as high, high stature as as he is and just, he's just like the sweetest guy and was so cool. And I was like, man, it definitely like went out and like bought a bunch of his records because of that one like experience with him. And, uh, yeah, dude, he's just cool as shit. All right, so did this have happen in a specific time of your life? The Redhead's Changer? Or and I, I get it, why you chose this. Right. Um, because it's an epic album. Right, yeah. And it's like it, it defines country music for you. To, I, for aliens. For aliens? Yes, that's what you said. You said if if there was an alien that said, what's country music, you'd play in Redhead's Changer. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. But, so I didn't know if that because like all the other albums were all significant points of your life. Oh shit, I don't, dude. I don't remember when I got Redhead Stranger. It was. I feel like it's just kind of always been there, and you just, I never pulled it off the shelf type of thing. Well, the thing that I like that you've done about these albums is that every one of them, there's a story that goes along with it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, the Grand Canyon story, but man, I don't really. I don't remember. I don't remember buying it or someone gave it to me or like what happened with it. I just know that like it stayed in my CD player for a very long time, you know. Oh yeah. And it's it's probably one of the most listened to <clears throat> one of the most listened to records in the in the band van is just yeah. just mellow. When you can't agree on something, it's like just put it on. Everyone's like, "Okay, that's cool." Let's so still my you and Bruce are still kicking ass. Yeah, dude, we're about to have a we're. We've been pretty 
slow at putting out music. We have so much music we never released. <clears throat> so uh, I think either today or tomorrow we're getting back. We did these like singles with uh, mm-hmm. Gordy Quist from Band-, yeah. Band of Heathens like two years ago. And uh, we just got them pressed on 45, which is nice. a really bad idea. <laughs> it's like the same amount of money as just doing like an LP. Uh, anyways, and so uh, so we have a release for that. Uh, end of April. Okay. At the Sagebrush, down down South Congress, which isn't even open yet. And uh, and then we did a whole record about uh, about like living in Southeast Texas and like Louisiana, um, working in the oil industry. Like all uh-huh. the all of our buddies that work in the refineries and their parents and their grandparents and um, and uh, it's called oil. It's actually called the Cosmo Oil Company. Okay. And uh, like we it. did it with John Evans. Cool. And we had like seven days booked to do like 13 songs, and we did 13 songs in three days. Wow. <laughs> but, dude, we've been playing together now for... Yeah, forever, man. Yeah, like the band is coming up on, well, I think June is 10 years. And then, um, but... We've been playing together for 13 years because we had a band before Mine and Broussard for a couple uh-huh. of years. Um, so we have that. We also have another single that we're going to put out at some point that we did. We got to do this really cool thing for Leslie, uh, Leslie Cochran. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that was our first show 10 years ago was um, for Leslie's 60th birthday party. But anyways, we got to work on the documentary and do some of the music for it. And... We had, there was something with like, I don't know if it was with licensing. I don't really know the whole thing, but um, we had to go re-record a James McMurtry song for the thing. And they bought the studio for the whole day, Estuary for the whole day. And so we cut another song. So that'll be released at some point. And yeah, dude, we're just kind of chugging along. Yeah, figuring shit out. I'm going to do my first solo record in a few days. Nice. Yeah, so I'm super stoked about that. Speaking of, I got... Uh, Willie's bass player Kevin Smith's gonna play on it, and got Scott Davis. What's it called? Do you know uh, um, the title? So the I'm going under the band name All My Groovy Friends. Okay. That's the band <laughs> and, name. Yeah, and uh, I'm doing a split record with James Moritz. So I'm just doing like six or seven songs. Doing they're all like three, like two. One song's like a minute and like forty seconds. But it's it's a very it's gonna be very like traditional country. Okay. A little more so than my and Bruce side is. Yeah. So, um, for starters, I think you need to spell your last name so everybody knows how to find you online. All right. It's M as in monkey, A-Y-E-U-X. Mayu. Like Mayu, you have a weird last name. And your website is mayubroussard.com? Uh, it's mbtxmusic.com. Okay. See, I, 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 I would have gotten that wrong. And then uh, you're on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Twitter. All iTunes, all the stuff. Yeah, man. Right on. Sweet. Okay. Anything else you want to say? Any, anything else about the band? Uh, no. My roommate James Steinley just came out with a new record, and it's he did it all live. Uh, Bruce Robeson produced it, and for fans of guys like Guy Clark and stuff, it's one of my favorite records I've ever heard. That's what I did feel really bad about this whole. Five favorite records yeah. was not picking one of my like 
a super close like friend of mine because I listen. I probably listen like my friends more than I listen to like those records I named at this point because you know listen to those records for hours and hours it's, and hours. It's hard, man. But, like, I drive it's around hard. listening to, like, you know, Leo and Chris King and James Steinle and Jordan Matthew Young and, like, those dudes, Catherine Legender, and um, that's what I listened to the most. Yeah. I, I felt I, I felt like if I picked one of them, I couldn't, like, I'd have to pick others, you right. know, so I was just trying no, it's, to... It's hard. It's hard. Trying to stay yeah. my classics that, like, everyone might know. Yeah. yeah. Well. But I got one. I got that Brothers and Sisters on there. That's local. And there you go. Cool. Right on. All, All right, right, dude. Thanks for, for sitting down with me today. Appreciate you got it, man. It Thanks much. for having me. All right. All peace. Right. Yay. So that was Take My You. They've got a release coming out at the end of April at the Sagebrush on South Congress. I'll definitely be there. Hope to see you there. And if you want to check out Mayu and Broussard, uh, you can find them on the web at www.mbtxmusic.com. For social, you can find them at Mayu underscore Broussard on Instagram and Mayu and Broussard on Facebook. Um, they've got some challenging names to spell, so I'll do that for you right now. It's M-A-Y-E-U-X, and Broussard is B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D. Uh, if you got the gumption, head over to TheBigGunShow.com. That's TheBigGunShow.com, and check out what my band is up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All with the handle of The Big Gun Show Band. It's the on the front, band on the end. Our most consistent gig is our monthly residency at the Little Longhorn Saloon, a.k.a. Jenny's, here in Austin. Uh, home of Chicken Chip Bingo, we play happy hour on the first Friday of every month. You should bring your grandma. She'll have a blast. I'll be back in two weeks, and then every other week after that, close your eyes, you're back on that desert island again. What five records do you have? Till next time. <laughs>